You're listening to the Get Out and Drive podcast with John Custom Car Nerd Meyer and Jason Old Car Guy Car. We'll be bringing you gearheads everything you never wanted to know about cars and why they should be on the road and not in your garage. Are you ready to get out and drive? Folks, welcome back to another great episode of the Get Out and Drive podcast. My name is Jason Old Car Guy Car. I am John Custom Car Nerd Meyer. So it, it brings up a good point to some of the some of the um, budding safety features that were coming out as cars were becoming more and more popular and more and more people were being able to afford them. Um, you know, at some point it was safety started to become a concern. So they were trying to say, okay, what can we do that a keeps this beautiful stylish car the way that we want it to be, but we also want to implement safety without jeopardizing the look and the style of the car. Uh, so I think Joanne's question was, you know, these are how, how are we, um, how do we get away from some of those, those features that, that we just don't see anymore uh, that they were trying to implement 50, 60 years ago. And, and one of them was the, um, uh, was that little light detecting eye. Electronic uh, eye. Yeah. So, John, tell us a little bit about what those were, what they did, what the purpose was for, and why we don't see them anymore in in their uh, in their well, intended fashion. Uh, Chevrolet's moniker, GM's moniker for that was the Autronic Eye. Ford's uh, name for it was Twilight Sentinel, and I don't remember if Chrysler had a name for that. They probably do, and someone, one of our listeners, will chime in with an answer. Um, but GM's Autronic Eye, and it first came around in, uh, I'm pretty sure 55 Cadillac, 54, 55 Cadillac. It was a electronic reader that you could drive around all day with your headlights on high beams and it would see another vehicle approaching and it, the, the light would sense in the little autronic eye that was on the dashboard, little egg shaped thing. Um, sometimes in the center, sometimes on the left, depends if it's a Pontiac or a Buick or an Olds or Cadillac. And it sensed oncoming traffic and it turned your headlights down to standard driving headlights. And then as that passed, it didn't have any light input. It turned the high beams back on. That's incredible technology for the early fifties. Um, you know, Ford had that type of deal. Like I said, Twilight Sentinel, uh, they had that all up through the seventies. And I remember my grandfather used to love it. He'd drive around with his Lincoln town car. Um, and it had hideaway headlights. He'd drive around with the four headlights on and Ford even went so far as to, uh, have it to where the, in the seventies, that you turn on the twilight sentinel, it not only would drop your headlights from oncoming cars, but it would turn your headlights on for you at night. You didn't have to do it. It, it, that was amazing technology back then. It, it was absolutely crazy. I, I couldn't believe that there were cars that you could walk up and touch the door handles and the, the courtesy lights and the dome lights and things would come on. How did the car know you were there? Um, that's that's amazing technology for an uh, late seventies, early eighties Lincoln town car. Well, and and we talk about people. People think that you know they're listening to you speak, John. They're saying, "Well, gee, I've got automatic headlights." Yeah, mm -hmm. but we're talking 
today's technology, you've got automatic headlights in a small little sensor uh, about the size of a pin on your dash, mm-hmm. right? These things were about the size of your fist. Yep. And today, there are cars out there that have automatic high beam dimming, whatchamacallit. But in my opinion, for for the technology that's out there today, there's no reason why every car couldn't have that. Um, uh, but they were doing this back in the 50s, mm-hmm. folks. Back in the 50s, we didn't even have kids in car seats in the 50s, yet we were having automatic dimming headlights. Think about that for a second. So I I think that there's that that's one neat little piece of technology that we see today to a degree. Um, but as technology evolved, it, it turned into such a, a much smaller device. These were great big fist-sized devices on the dash of a vehicle. Um another one, which I think is a neat one, is the uh the little piece of glass uh that mounted above your speedometer uh that was chiseled a certain way so that when you pulled up to a stoplight um and and you know today again safety has evolved so that when you pull up to a stoplight you're far enough back from that stoplight that you can see it off in the distance through your windshield well back in the 50s they would make you stop at the stoplight when the stoplight was above you so how did you know when the light changed from red to green well when it changed that little that little piece of glass on your dash would reflect the light from above when it changed from red to green. So you, you would see it change to green. There were a lot of accessory traffic viewers that were like that. And a lot of people had them on custom cars because to look cool, mm-hmm. you you use suffer convenience. You chop the top on a car, you can't see out of the thing. So you put that accessory traffic light viewer in there um that's that's absolutely fantastic a lot of people cannot believe that that a lot of the features that are very commonplace on a car now the great grandfathers of that engineering you know was on a tucker or even before that cars had mechanical brakes ford didn't even have uh hydraulic brakes until 1939 mopar cars had them in 1933 32 was mechanical brakes 33 was a uh, was a juice brake car you take you, you take a lot of these uh, up and coming uh you know uh, cars that, that that aren't around today you take your packards uh mm-hmm. your hudsons mm-hmm. um your nashes a lot of these cars uh were were innovators in safety uh safety glass uh rollover protection um, the Hudson's were famous for their step down floors for a lower center of gravity. Um, there's a lot of things that you just don't think of in, you know, that era of, uh, of being safety, but somebody somewhere was thinking of these and Tucker was a, was a huge innovator, uh, in, in, in sending a lot of these safety features, uh, into play. Um, if you guys don't know what a Tucker is, look it up. It's the most famous three headlighted car in the planet uh, <laughs> where the center headlight would turn with your steering wheel. That is amazing technology for 1948, was it? Uh, yeah, when that, oh. 1948. Yeah, so uh, they were stylish looking cars. They were they sounded cool because they literally had a helicopter engine. Oh, yeah. 
right they had an air they had an air uh shifted transmission yep they had so a little they, lollipops yep and and you didn't have a great big shifter you mm -hmm. just had this little tiny thing on the dash yeah, there's a little little uh, cylinder that comes out, and it has yeah. lollipops that are in it, and it pulls it back, and the vacuum switches another gear. And one hundred percent, in my opinion, probably one of the most tragic stories ever told is the story of the Tucker. Yes. Uh, if you guys have not seen the movie, find it, mm -hmm. or go to uh, go to your Discovery or your uh, whatever it is. Find out, do some research on the Tucker. It's uh, it was an amazing story. Uh, of of that car very few of them left uh, still around but uh lots of ingenious technology um uh, implemented in, into those cars oh yeah yeah the name of the movie is tucker the man of the machine yeah. and it it is the tale of preston tucker trying to have his own car company uh and and selling his vehicle with safety features rollover Cage technology, um, disc brakes, fuel injection, padded dash, collapsible steering columns. It is an incredible story of an incredible person with a great idea of of building vehicles, and he got uh, he got squished by people that were scared of him. And before I ever came along and joined the Get Out and Drive podcast, you and Sean interviewed uh, Sean Tucker and Rob Ida. That's correct. Uh, in, in an episode. Um, and uh, Sean Tucker, obviously being the uh, grandson of uh, Preston Tucker, uh, who is still out sporting his very own Tucker to this day. Uh, I watched a, a YouTube interview on him uh, not that long ago. Pretty neat to see that that car being cherished by uh, the namesake of that company. Anyways, way, way, way off track. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the other features, John, that we saw uh, become uh an innovator uh, back in the day that maybe we just don't see today. 70s era Corvette and also General Motors used it in Cadillacs, uh, the tilt telescopic steering wheel. Right. And it obviously had the traditional lever on the side and it was a tilt, um, but also had a little spin ring around the center horn button and you'd spin it to the left and you could move the steering column an infinite amount back and forth. And you could take that steering column and tilt it, put it down in your lap, pull it all the way back and have that steering column in your, in your lap. Yep. Um, and when you want to get out of the car, you'd spin it clockwise and throw it back at the dashboard and raise it up. Like I said, that happened. I think they had that in Tornado as well and things, but it's, any of the GM derivatives that, that uh, were luxury cars, they had that tilt telescopic steering column for quite a long time. Ford. Uh, and I'm pretty sure GM had it as well. The swing out steering wheel in, in Thunderbirds and, and some other cars they had, I think it was in Cougar as well. Um, but you'd flip a lever and you open the pass, you open the driver's door and the steering column was loose and it moved out towards <clears throat> the passenger or excuse me, towards the driver, uh, door jam toward the hinge panel. It made it easier to get out of the car. And speaking of getting, making it easier to get out of the car, we can't forget swivel seats. Oh, yeah. Swivel right. seats. Uh, the old Cutlass. The In Pontiac. The 70s, yeah. yeah, the Pontiacs. Those, like all those cars, yep. you just grab a little lever on the side and that yes. little bucket seat would swing you out so you could get your legs yes. out. Yep. Like, as simple as that may sound and as ingenious as that may sound, they don't just they don't do that anymore. No. As, as, like, 
how many how many folks out there our parents age could benefit from that feature today uh they're driving toyota corollas honda Accords. they're driving uh chevy cruise whatever they're driving these small cars and they're having to climb down into them and mm-hmm. climb out of them why not make it a little bit easier for them by making that seat <laughs> swivel how would right. you yeah, Chrysler had swivel seats in in the uh, in the fifties. Yeah, and GM had them. Um, a lot of a lot of vehicles had had the swivel seats. It was an amazing feature. Um, I I think uh, GM. I don't know if Ford had it or if Chrysler had it as well, but I know for sure GM had the driver could preset a speed warning, and you could set fifty five, sixty, a hundred miles an hour, or whatever. And when the speedometer needle would come up it's very simple speedometer needle would come up and it would touch a ground and it would light up the speedometer red some made a buzzing an audible buzzing sound others would just make it red that's a great feature there's there's so many so many different features disc brakes people don't think about uh four-wheel disc brakes 60s era jaguars had inboard independent rear axle four-wheel disc brakes mg a lot of a lot of european cars had four-wheel disc brakes 1963 corvette four-wheel disc brakes you think about 1963 general motors everything had drum brakes and corvette comes out with four-wheel disc brakes and independent four-wheel suspension that made a 1962 corvette just archaic with a solid axle rear um, and, and it brought that car up to an amazing, amazing standard, made that car drive a lot better. Yeah. And if there's uh, any of our listeners out there who uh, can think of anything uh, that we're talking about today, past safety features or perceived safety features that we saw, you know, in earlier generations of cars that we just don't see today, something like the auto dimming rear view mirror. Uh, we still see that in some cars today. Let us know on our Lister hotline. You can go visit that at uh, our website, getoutanddrive.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and you'll see the Lister hotline. Tell us what you think was a uh, safety feature that we should still see on modern cars today. Everybody talks about the mandate, and I I believe it was 1984 with the high mount third brake light. Yes. And that was, and I, and I can only speak from US. I don't know when it happened in Canada. Um, but I know in the U.S. that was the high mount center brake light. Everybody thought, wow, this is the most fantastic thing ever. You have brake lights on your car that are brighter than the running lights. And that tells the driver behind you that you're braking, right? So what do you do to get the driver behind you? What do you get their, their more, more attention? You put another brake light that it's only reason that it's there. It's only job is to light up when you're stopping. Now, fast forward. People don't care about the high mount third brake light anymore. Cars started having pulse brake lights like the ambulances, rescue vehicles and other things. They have pulse brake lights. And I guess that gets your attention. It's it's no different than having a regular stop sign. You're supposed to stop at that. The stop signs that have blinking lights around them, are those more important than regular stop signs? No. Right. So they're more costly. Oh, they're more costly. Yes, they are. But I, I, I always think those stop signs are more important. Um, and you think every car had to have this high mount third brake light in 1984. And this is the most grand technology and it's going to save the world. Well, re- rewind. Mopar had those in 1949, 50, 51. 
Chrysler had a center mount third brake light. Its only job was to shine as a brake light. I don't know if that is on your 50 Plymouth. Does it have a, a, a license plate light with a glass, a red glass Plymouth emblem in the middle? It does not, no. It does not. Okay. Because I know some of the vehicles did, right? Wayfarer and some of the other Plymouths and, and, and Mopar vehicles um, in the late 40s and early 50s, they had a glass center light-up emblem in the license plate mount, which sometimes was the trunk handle and things like that as well. But people don't realize that that technology was already happening way back then. Yeah. They're just brought to you more in the current day through marketing that, wow, this is a new safety thing. They don't realize how long that's been around. It's just been brought more to the forefront through marketing. And I don't want to say shove down your throat, but people learn about it more through marketing. And this is going to save you. You know, that's, that's where, uh, I don't know if you've written, you've read, uh, Ralph Nader's book Unsafe at any speed. I've not, no, you've you not. That's a good, I'm aware, read. I'm aware of it. You're aware of it. It's yep. a good read, you know, where, where he completely denounces the Corvair and, and says that that car is terrible and it, and you should not drive it on the road. He did a lot for Ralph Nader did in the, in the late sixties and early seventies, 1967 is a huge pinnacle turning point of safety in the automotive world. And I can, again, only speak from the United States. That is collapsible steering columns, dual circuit master cylinders. If no one's familiar with a dual circuit master cylinder, every car prior to 1967 had a fruit jar. And that was one single master cylinder that held the the brake fluid for your car. And if somebody didn't like you, they cut the brake lines on your car. You had no brakes at all, except for the emergency brake. After 1967, trucks included, they had dual circuit master cylinder. The front brakes, if they were to lose fluid, you still had the back brakes to stop. The same way the other way around, lose the back brakes, you still have the front brakes to stop. Um, that's very important. Collapsible steering column. Prior to 1967, 68, all the steering columns, you would get into a collision and you had a metal spear that was going to go through you. Collapsible steering column is a big deal. Um, later on, five mile an hour bumpers, collapsible bumpers. <laughs> I agree. I hate them. After, yep. after 72, they made the cars look ugly. You know, 70, 73 was U.S. mandated front bumper, five mile an hour. 74 was front and rear bumper, five mile an hour. That's why a Corvette has a urethane front bumper and a chrome back bumper in 73. <laughs> and in, in 74, they're urethane front and rear. Bigger bumpers, bigger this, bigger that. All the safety features, and and they just made the cars mo look more ugly, in, 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 my, in my opinion. That's well, what happened to Mavericks. You take even the uh, even some of your uh, your higher end cars, your Porsches, mm -hmm. uh, you know, coming into the '80s had the great big accordions covering up the pistons on the on the front and rear bumpers, and, and yes. it just totally took the style away from yes. uh, a very classic looking car. Yes. Uh, looked like it had a fat lip and a big butt hanging off the end of it. Like they just mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. totally ruined. Some people say it ruined uh, the look of those cars. Today they seem to be a little more sought after mm -hmm. uh, for some reason, but nevertheless. You know, we go from an era of where a piece of chrome metal did the trick mm -hmm. until it didn't. Oh, sure. Right. And today 
we're basically using the same technology on pickup trucks with chrome bumpers in the front and the back and just covered in plastic maybe now, but, right. uh, you know, they're, they're mandating to the point where, um, you know, pickup truck bumpers have to match a car's bumper. Oh, That's yeah. why you look at a, your Dodge, your uh, Chevrolet, your, your Fords and your Toyotas. Uh, why do they have such a high snout on them? Well, they're so huge, but the bumpers are way down two and a half feet off the ground. Mm-hmm. The same as it would be a car. Why? Well, if you had a collision with a small car, at least your bumpers are going to meet and they're going to do the trick instead of just driving over top of it. Yeah, I mean, we could spend a whole night talking about safety. <laughs> we did it once on one of our very first episodes, one of our very first detour episodes that we did, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talking about safety features and, and and stuff like that. I think that, you know, it's we could talk about it all night long from where cars came from to where they are today. Um, are they more safe? Uh, one of the topics we covered, if you guys didn't listen to it, go back and listen to it. Cause it's a very interesting topic. Are cars safer today than they were, uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, cause you keep in mind back then you had to drive the car. You had to feel it. Right. Or you had to be aware of your surroundings today. Your car does all that for you. So are you safer in today's cars than you were, uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago? Again, let us know on that listener hotline. Uh, tell us what you think and uh, maybe you can even tell us what your least favorite modern day safety feature is on today's modern cars if you do we will make sure we get something sent out to you as a little thank you for leaving a message on our listener hotline racing junk is the number one racing and performance marketplace where you can post your racing junk for free parts engines race cars trailers project builds muscle cars chassis tires and so much more buy sell trade and browse on racing junk and turn your garage into cash in your pocket or find that next dream on the site built by gearheads for gearheads and best of all there's no transaction fees 100 of what you make through your ad is yours to keep Cruise on over to our website, getoutanddrive.com, for all the info you never wanted to know about our podcast. Hit us up on our listener hotline, be the first to know what's happening, get industry news, and grab your Get Out and Drive merch. Connect with us on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Follow us on Twitter at Get Out and Drive Pod. What drives you?